Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. There's a lot to be said for nostalgia. It's given us delightful callbacks to bygone eras, brought back classy styles that we'd collectively forgotten about, and given us good excuses to go down the rabbit holes of history. Of course, it's also given us the PT Cruiser, the revival of bell-bottom pants, and the return of David Lee Roth to the stage. So maybe the less said, the better. However, there was one bit of retro fun that we've been looking forward to for quite some time, and that's the new Marvel Studios show that we'll be nerding out over in this episode 54, Release the WandaVision. My name is Todd, and with me, as always, is a man who is capable of amazing feats of strength, not when he's angry, but for some odd reason when he's feeling excessively itchy. He's the barbarian to my meng. We fear no beer because, well... One of us isn't drinking it at all, and the other's only drinking that abomination known as gluten-free beer. I give you the man they call Tim. Hello, my brother. How we doing? I am doing quite well. How about yourself, sir? I am doing well. I am doing that well. That is good. That is good. And and as always, beer-free on your side, and, and yes. mine as well. And, uh, you know, we haven't done this in a while, but uh, just out of curiosity, just let the folks know, uh, what what are you sampling over there, just, uh, just for hoots? Uh, I am sampling... A bit of Woodford Reserve, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, my friend. Ah, lovely. I'm on the uh, Old Forester 86 for myself. It's a mm. good old standby. Uh, and before, now that I've given you a couple moments to mull over, uh, can you name the tag team? Well, I was going to say the powers of pain, but that is Barbarian and Warlord. You said Barbarian and Meng, and I am struggling to remember what that was. Uh, oh. I'm going to... It's a Kevin Sullivan outfit, but I can't think of the name of what they were. So I think you've you've gotten me on this one, my friend. You got the touch. <laughs> you got the power. What are they called? Every dog has his day, and today is my day. <clears throat> the faces of fear, sir. Ah, yes. The yes, Faces be- of Fear. I believe uh, that, yeah, that was part of Kevin Sullivan's mass uh, entourage of uh, misfits. <laughs> ah, yes. And apparently Meng, uh, also known as Haku, mm-hmm. a- apparently one of the only wrestlers that Andre the Giant legit feared. <laughs> oh, yeah. Meng was supposedly like, he was not to be trifled with. Like, he was a legit fighter. And... Uh- well, and he looked the part too. Like that's a dude. Oh, yeah. who, I mean, he he wasn't like it, he wasn't like six and a half feet tall, but that was a dude who was like like an action figure from He Man sprung to life. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Oh man, he was he was kind of terrifying as yep. a as a kid. Just Absolutely. a wee bit. Just a wee bit. All right, sir. Well, let's dive right into the week in geek because I think you got some good stuff here for us. The week in geek. 
feels so funky. Ah, uh, yes. And, uh, you know, as as per, per usual, there, there's a bit of Star Wars, but a little BSG. Sprinkled mm. in a little BSG this time around. Excellent. Um, as, as has been the custom over the last few weeks, uh, you know, there there's rumor mills a buzzing, uh, you know, thoughts, ideas being put forth about who will play Grand Admiral Thrawn, the much uh, bandied about uh, villain who was mentioned in the Ahsoka Tana episode of The Mandalorian. Uh, this week, it was rumored that uh, one Lars, uh, let me say his last name correctly, Mickelson, Mm. Uh, who, ironically, has also done the voice of Grand Admiral Thrawn in the Star Wars Rebels show, uh, really? is rumored to yes, yes. I think uh, that was one of the one of the folks that Jimmy Dice and and the uh, and the Scruffies were all about. Uh yes, I, okay. I I think the main thing is for Pierce Brosnan to not play the role. <laughs> is, wow. is is Jimmy Dice and 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 I I agree I concur on that front. So I I am in that same camp. Uh, there, there Why was the some hate for Pierce Brosnan. What did, what did he ever do to them? Uh, he, I don't think he would make a good Thrawn. I, I really I, don't. I almost, I now that you said that, I could be talked into that. Of course you could, because I said it. That's why. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know what? This is an edgier Tim. I'm digging this. <laughs> I kind of wish we were recording this, so at some point you could take that whiskey bottle and just like crack it on the edge of the table and threaten me with it. <laughs> You're feeling I, lucky. <laughs> I throw this between the cracky ass, Cletus. <laughs> you're walking over, but you're limping back. <laughs> exactly. There it is. So, so, so Lars Mickelson. Yes. yes. And now I, I did actually, I did, I, I usually now just confession time, uh, mm. Uncle Todd's confession corner. I, I usually do not look at the weekend geek links that you provide because mm. I, I like to hear it for the first time because I like to give you this aspect of the show. And quite honestly, I'm also just lazy, so I usually don't look at those and I like to hear it on and react to it on on air on air like we're doing this live uh, you know on recording and uh, but this one I actually looked at and I will say mm -hmm. what's the first name that they mention as some of the other proposed people Benedict Cumberbatch thank you ladies and gentlemen thank you hold your applause Actually, no, no. Come on, let me have it. Let me have it. It's okay. It's, it's, it's and and there were a couple other interesting names like Jason Isaacs, um, mm -hmm. Lee Pace, uh, who was of the Marvel uh, universe, uh, playing. Oh gosh, what the heck was his name? He was in Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, something the Avenger or something the Punisher. I can't remember his name. Lee Pace. Yeah. So in Guardians of the Galaxy, um, he he was a blue he was a blue alien. Um, he carried the the sledgehammer around with him and he put the power stone on it oh ronan the accuser ronan the accuser thank you that that's lee pace uh, and then john ham was also uh apparently rumored at some point hmm. uh last week we talked about robert downey jr debated that and uh came away with the uh thought that it would be interesting however probably unlikely um so cost, if, cost if they go prohibitive what's that Cost prohibitive, mm -hmm. I would say. But it seems if if one Lars Mikkelsen is doing the voice of Thrawn in a, an animated show, it may uh, not be too far fetched. And and apparently, from you know seeing pictures of him, he he does kind of have that same kind of look as what we've seen in different artist renderings of Thrawn. That it mm. uh, would seem to be a reasonable choice. And it and from what I read, at least in my brief kind of. Uh, jaunt this article mm -hmm. it seems like this is a done deal 
and yes. that this was their only choice. Yes. Yeah, so all the discussion you and I put forth on da- on uh, Robert Downey Jr. last week was uh, waste of breath. Well, <laughs> you know what? There ain't a rumor that we don't like to monger. So I mean, <laughs> hey, it was a fun time. I still think it's interesting to see him as, as a villain in, in a villain role as opposed to being the hero. That's all. I still think it'd be a great thing to see him as anything except Doctor Doolittle. That's. Yes. But that's, I'm I'm still scarred from that. Although last week. you 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 made a very good argument for Talon Card, and and not only an argument for for him playing that role, but uh, but you know your head cannon version of Talon Card was actually you know something I hadn't really considered before. So well, it would be interesting if he ends up playing it the uh, you know basically the way you had described. I think honestly, I don't think that's going to happen. It's fun to talk about. I don't think it's going to happen yeah. because I think that. In the end, there are some people that you bring in to a show or or to to a role, and they just take over. Like, there's a reason why right. you know certain directors like to work with unknowns or things like that because when a person enters with a certain amount of clout, you're like, oh my gosh, that's that person, and you don't want that. Yeah, you know. And I think with these shows, I think they're they're kind of trying to avoid that. That's why you're going to see like. Like Rosario Dawson, obviously, you know, a very accomplished actress and things like that. But mm. you're putting her in the makeup and stuff like that. And also just there's certain elements of her just, you know, and she also was like, hey, I am totally up for this. And it's like, well, yeah, let's get the really great. <laughs> let's get the really good actor who says that she wants to do it. Fine. Yeah. But uh, but I mean, bringing in like Michael Bean and, and like some of the other people that they brought in, that they're not huge names. They're not like Robert Downey Jr. Hey, guess what? I get 50 mil a movie because, uh, well, have you seen the box office receipts lately? <laughs> I just think that's it's a little too big. It's a little too big for something like this. That's yeah. what I think. It, it's fun to talk about, but it ain't going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now that's my total reverse jinx to get Robert Downey in that. You like how I did that? You know, I said, I see what you're doing there, buddy. Just for you, baby. Just for you. Thank All right. you. Well, uh, <laughs> if if this is a done deal, it, it sounds like a a measured and balanced choice, and mm-hmm. uh, it'll be interesting and exciting to see the Grand Admiral brought to life on screen, not just uh, mere words on a page. Or uh, images in our head cannon. So yes, uh, as long as long as it is artfully done. That's right. Because we're all about the art. <laughs> Not really. I still think that's one of the. You know what the thing is like actually because so my 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 daughter was watching, uh, rewatching some of uh, the Star Wars Rebels shows, and I was wa- like in just a few minutes I was watching that show. And it was a it was a Thrawn scene with all the artwork around him and stuff like that. I was mm-hmm. like, I feel like they did a better job in those scenes of explaining what he might kind of glean from that than Timothy Zahn did in his books. It was hmm. just never explained. And that was always one of the things where I was just like, eh. But yeah. you can go back and listen to that show and listen to me rant about that for about 15 minutes straight. We won't bore you now. Of course. Because that is what we're here to do. <laughs> Actually, yes, that is what we're to ramble on incessantly about. (laughs) According to our wives, it is the only reason (laughs) that we do this. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on from the Grand Admiral, we we spent a lot of time on on him last week, and and this was a a, a kind of a follow up to it. So moving on uh, to our next point, Star Wars related. Do it. 
And this one, I I don't report with any sense of pleasure or happiness because uh, oh boy, things who, who, who th- kicked th- off this time? Things Jeez. no no. <laughs> one of the, the the lead Jawa from Star from the New Hope. <laughs> regretfully passed away in a tractor combine accident. <laughs> oh, jeez. The third grip, the, uh, you know, first we caterer. We're on, we're on quite a tear there. Last week, I think, was the first episode in a, quite a while that we haven't had an obit section. So, <laughs> Yes, yeah, this is not an obit. This is not an okay, obit. Okay, all right, good. Uh, but uh, this one is Star Wars, uh, what, what I'm kind of calling Star Wars Creative Civil War is Afoot. Uh, oh boy. This one is cur- courtesy of uh, giant freaking robot, and and basically the w- what the rumor essentially has here is is that there is a bit of creative tug of war going on between Kathleen Kennedy and John Favreau. Kathleen Kennedy, as you know, was was in charge of Lucas or is in charge of Lucasfilm since 2012. Uh, was responsible for the post Quill trilogy, and because there is a bit of you know fan. Uh, unhappiness, shall we say, with how that turned out. And apparently Favreau is not a fan of those at all. No, God! There's a bit of creative wrestling that's going on right now for control of of the franchise. Um, Favreau, as you all know from Todd and I, going on and on and on about the wonder that he is with The Mandalorian, Mm -hmm. um, has established himself. You know, I mean, taking and doing what he and Filoni have done with The Mandalorian have put them in a position where... You can now see the difference of when when people who have a passion for the product and understand the lore and the depth of that lore are, you know, in control of it and and putting forth quality stories, what that can do and how that can benefit the franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it sounds like here that there's a bit of a, a control shakedown that's kind of going on um, over the direction of where things are going next. Uh, ah. Favreau is planning there have been rumors that through the television shows he's planning on rolling something out that would essentially retcon the uh the trilogy we saw with ray um as a way of of kind of correcting that um, and oddly enough it's going to all take place in the uh in the space chips episode in the space chips universe oh it's it's going to be it's going to be so undercover and no one's going to see it coming till the end and it's going to like oh and here we've arrested ray's parents what wait wait huh <laughs> And you know Uncle Todd is gunning for that because if there's ever an excuse to play that theme oh, at, for dude. any length of time on the show, he dude, will. Seventies, seventies, and eighties had some said some really good theme songs. Like that was even. That was okay. So I got to tell you this. So people might have listened a couple episodes ago. I, I made liberal use of the the chips theme. Liberal and use. You played it like twice full length. Oh yeah. Well, no, no, I didn't actually. So that was not a. Uh, that was not the from the TV show. That was a 12-inch single. So back in the day, you could get like singles on 45s, but you could also get longer uh, longer versions, you know, longer uh, time. Uh, what am I, oh my gosh. I'm, I am totally longer play length uh, recordings on like a 12-inch single. So the side of, size of a regular vinyl record, but it's just one song on each side. That was the extended, like, studio single version. Like, that was released. <laughs> you could go out and buy that. Oh, boy. Like, that was a single at one point. Mm-hmm. That's how, And but I mean, you hear that. Boom, bam, 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 bam. 
I, I, come on, you can't you can't help but move the hips a little. No, you can't. Little, I mean, I I was a little wiggle, a little shake going. Oh, I'm doing it right now. Just think of the song. Oh, good lord. <laughs> I know it's a good thing. This there's isn't a visual on video. for your head cannon. <laughs> no, thankfully, no one knows what the hell we look like. <laughs> oh my gosh! Incredible. But no, it's yeah. But I, you know, the thing is, like, I get it. I, I get wanting wanting to to kind of do that because I think there are some Star Wars fans that are just so, well. I mean, obviously, there's people out there signing petitions and stuff like that, and they're unhappy with how it turned out. And they, what whatever, you know, right. it happened. Right. I don't know how much you're going to retcon stuff. I really don't. I mean, to me, it just seems like sour. You know, not sour grapes necessarily. It's just like just let it go. Like you're you're doing your own thing. Like you don't need to fix the whole universe. It's okay that a couple movies weren't quite as good as we thought they were going to be. Right. right. Whatever. It was still, I mean, it, you know, I mean, as much as we just totally heaped on rise of Skywalker, Mm -hmm. I'll still rewatch it. I will, you know, and I'll, I'll kind of grit my teeth at the parts I didn't like, but there was actually a bunch of parts that I did like, and it's got problems, but you know what? It's still a fun watch and it's still me going back to my childhood and you know, at a certain point, just kind of grow up now. And I say this as somebody who rants on the internet, so <laughs> take well, it with a grain of salt. Here's here here's my thing. If 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 he if Favreau wants to to do that, then do it. If you actually have a plan to retell some story in that timeline, if you're only going to focus on that timeline that's five years after Return of the Jedi, which mm-hmm. most of these, you know, shows or at least space chips. See, you're already saying it. You're already saying. Oh, I'm. I'm just waiting for when you know you 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 produce this episode and you start playing it for the next 15 minutes. Um, Oh, Um, so good. All right, anyways, fantastic. But if if he's gonna do it, do it with with a purpose and 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 have a reason for doing it. I, I I agree with you. If if it's just sour grapes, I and and. You know, you're just doing it because you don't like it, and you just want to kind of put it behind you. It just feels kind of petty, you know. Yeah. Um, yep. But at this point, you know, I, I have to I have to put some faith into into what you know John Favreau is trying to do because he clearly has a vision for taking this franchise into the future with with some with some quality stories. And I would like to think. And, and it really stinks that, that you know, with, with this being kind of a bright spot in, in kind of our entertainment content, it just, you know, it, it's it's a little bit of a downer that, that you have to find out that this sort of drama is playing out in the background. You know what I mean? Because it's really unnecessary. This is like the one, one of the few bright spots we had of 2020 was the Mando. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and so you were talking early in our pre-production meeting, you were mentioning yes. how the idea is that this is like a multiverse sort of thing. Yeah, he was going to introduce a concept called the Veil of the Force, which th- that's the rumor. And what that Veil of the Force is meant to do is is basically it's Star Wars's version of what's coming for Marvel in terms of a multiverse, where you can have a bunch of different realities existing in kind of parallel. And writing off the the Ray Finn Poe storyline as one of those possible outcomes. But again, I don't know what what the full reason for that is. I don't know if it's because he's taking the Luke Skywalker character in a direction where he ends up with a more hopeful future as what we saw in Last Jedi and and how, you know, that was a point of contention for fans that that the hero of hope 
was now this cynical and and exiled uh, Jedi, similar to to what we saw with Ben Kenobi. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think you know if he if if that's where he's going in that direction, then I guess I understand it. But it's it's just right now with the current slate of shows and where where we're headed, it just doesn't seem like that's kind of the top priority of the moment. Yeah, no, I I hate that idea. And I try to hold off on on throwing around the H word because, you know, then somebody shows you how it can be done artfully and you're like, ooh, I, I don't so much hate it anymore. Yeah, I hate that yeah. idea. Everyone's doing the multiverse thing. Marvel is is going into it in a big, bad way. And, you know, and DC apparently is trying to is now saying going back and saying, oh, no, actually, we're doing our everything that has happened, all the movies and stuff. We're going to fit it all into the same universe. Like, OK, so you didn't have a uni- you didn't have a unified thing. And now you do. And now you didn't. Now, whatever. You guys are just like over there in the corner eating paste. Just when you get some macrame done, come back to us. OK, if you don't eat it all first, you know, let Star Wars just be Star Wars. It doesn't have to be a multiverse. You don't have to do this. You know, what would really impressed me is if Favreau and Filoni through all of these TV shows could actually just fix some of the elements of those movies mm-hmm. and explain them in in somewhat of a sensical way so that retroactively like that's the retcon I want like fill in the blanks and maybe manage to make this work like kind of like what we talked about with um, with uh, Francis Coppola going back and doing The Godfather 3 and now it's called you know Coda you know the death of Michael right. Corleone right. and apparently Al Pacino has seen it and a few of the other people have seen it who are in the movie it actually might be out I don't even know I haven't but from what I've read people have said it it changes the movie entirely like you see yeah. the movie in an entirely different way mm-hmm. if you could do that with your shows and then manage to smooth out some of that and inform that and you're not going to fix them entirely but you know what I don't get this whole idea of like oh well we're going to take it in a different direction well guess what you ain't got Harrison Ford ain't coming back right guaranteed right. you're you're lucky that you got him back for the movie that you did and 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 you, you know Carrie Fisher's gone mm-hmm. and you, you know, there's only so many of these people who are left like just let it go yeah yeah. Try and try and make it kind of fix it around with what you have and then just move on. Yeah. And 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 not even like I like I think it's the way that they did the Mandalorian so far has been great because it's like taking advantage of things. Mm-hmm. But not like with this mission of we're going to fix things. It's like, dude, just right. if you find the opportunities, then take them. But don't just like set out like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to fix this big problem. Like just just do cool stuff. Just do cool stuff. And if it comes up an opportunity to do something, do it. Right. But don't like set out with that because you know what you're going to do? You're going to end up just, uh, I, I, I just feel like it's going to be this ham-fisted sort of weird thing and it's yeah. just going to ruin what we've had so far. That's my fear. I, I, I appreciate what Kathleen Kennedy did in terms of introducing a, you know, a female lead with Ray. I, I appreciate them trying to go in a direction where they were trying to think outside of the box, which I really feel like Reen Johnson was doing with Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. So I I certainly don't want to don't want to portray like you know she's the bad guy and Favreau's the good guy. I I think she tried to do some things. I think what plagued that trilogy was, a, and as we talked with Jimmy Dice about, is a lack of cohesiveness across the three movies and the fact that executives you know basically dictating or kind of controlling how this these stories were going to be told came through because yeah. it, it felt very disjoint and it didn't really you know end up with with a you know a satisfying arc across the three so i don't know how much you know blame she carries for that or not but 
you know, she she was at the helm when they were trying to do some different things, and I and I think that that should be acknowledged. But Favreau and Filoni have shown, as as I said before, that storytelling matters, and you have to care about the lore across the board, both you know the the uh, you know the extended or expansive universe. I forget, I forget what the term is for it, but you mm-hmm. know all of the books that have been written, and and you know the the characters and and just different stories that were being told, you know, fans care about that stuff. And when you start mm-hmm. to bring stuff in like that, it gets them, it gets them psyched for what's coming. And I, and I'm, you know, the Ahsoka show, I mean, there may not be a lot of people who know who Grand Admiral Thrawn is, you know, or, or maybe they do from Rebels, but the fact that, you know, he's coming in as, as a, as a live character, finally, you know, kind of mm-hmm. being canonized, if you will, in live action, that's exciting. And and they and that only happens when you have people who understand the value of the depth of the lore. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I, I get it. Like, you know, for all of the for the the knit for the things that I want to pick at, Kathy Kennedy's also done a lot of good stuff. But at the same time, she does bear the blame because oh, sure, her name sure. her name is at the top of the org chart. That's mm-hmm. just the way it works, yep. you know, because yep. it, it's not like it's not like all this stuff happened. And she's like, well, wait a minute. I didn't sign off on that. Like, no, her signature's on all of this. You know, like I said, when we were talking about Rise of Skywalker and 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 and, you know, oh, what did Rian Johnson do? We didn't had no idea. The hell you didn't like all that had to be signed off. And I feel like it was really a loss of nerve on the executives. And that's I think if you'd had if you if you had given Rian Johnson like the third movie and the second and just done that, I actually think that could have been really cool. I would have really loved to have seen that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, JJ and then and then Rian Johnson take the next two. I think that could have been great because if you look at what happened with with the original trilogy, why is the third one not? Yeah, I mean it's it's okay, but you know it's not it's not the the gem of the trilogy. It's I mean in some cases you'd say it's probably the third best. Right. You have to put right. you have to put. I mean most people put Empire first, and then you have a New Hope, and then you know Jedi is third. Yeah. And part of that goes to the the director because Lucas was out of the director's guild, so he couldn't get his first choice. His first choice was Steven Spielberg. Imagine if Spielberg had directed Return of the Jedi. That'd be pretty cool. It would be. But instead, we got what Richard Marquand, uh, not uh, well, I forget what his name is. But anyways. no, you're, you're right. It was Richard Marquand. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I got confused between that and an actor that I was remembering from a movie. But but yeah, I think it's primarily a, a loss of nerve on the on the part of the executives because they're like, oh no. People, you know, the Star Wars fans are mad. You know, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. well, like that's never happened before. You know, <laughs> happens like every other week. So they'll get over it. Really, they yes. will. Yes, they've invested so many thousands of dollars in this stuff. They're not going to go throw it all in the trash. No. Guaranteed. No, that's all right. too bad. But totally expected, actually, too. <laughs> yeah, you know, sa- sadly, you know, most things that become successful, they will. Uh, you know, at some point there there's drama that's happening in the background, sadly. Mm. We hope this comes out to a peaceful and productive end for all involved. But No, I, I want to see like a lightsaber duel on the oh, beach at dawn. That's what I want to see. Moving right along. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> hey, I can dream, can't I? You you can, absolutely. Uh BSG. Uh, little uh, little little sprinkle of knowledge here. Um there was uh, an interview with the director of the new uh, show that's coming out on Peacock. Oh God, this one! I thought we were talking about something from the from the no from, the from, from Sam Esmail, who is who is going to be directing. Um, main thing <sighs> I just wanted to call out here. Of course, we 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 haven't really received 
you know any information as far as what roughly the story will be about but he no he, story no writers no cast no nothing nothing <laughs> this but, so far this show exists only in like one person's head and but what we do have talking. is a statement from him or, or a couple statements oh, about God. how they might release the show oh jeez <laughs> You know what? You go ahead and talk. I got to go back to the bourbon cabinet. Okay, go ahead. Fill in the people. I, I think I think Uncle Todd needs a little something something right now. Um, I I can't deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, what he he is putting forth is the idea that the show may not be released in a traditional fashion, whether it is once a week. Or, or all in a batch, um, he was basically explaining that they're talking about maybe experimenting a little bit where if they have, let's say, a three-episode arc where uh, it makes sense to release those three episodes at once, they might do that. Um, they might release an episode where there's you know some attention paid to a character and then release like a 20-minute episode that gives some background on that character. Just kind of talking about some some different ways in in the streaming medium to maybe play around a little bit with the the way they want to release the show i kind of came away from this interview as we said we, we have no idea about actors we have no idea about content we're talking about a release schedule and it just it does have a feeling of of a little bit of a gimmicky kind of feel to it given that we we really have nothing else at this point, and and I I don't know, but but I want to put it to Uncle Todd because Uncle Todd, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, dabbles a bit in 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 the writing realm, and and I'd like to understand from his perspective. I mean, is there value in trying to put stories out there where maybe you tell you know kind of a uh, you, you, you tell one big story in one episode, and then maybe you do that twenty minute episode kind of giving background on a character rather than doing a flashback in episode do you, do you think that would work or do you think this is just sad gimmick you know kind of gimmickry? I think it could work in this case, I think it's procrastination it's it's just buying time it's it's you know what it, it, it's so uh, as as a graphic designer, this is what it's like somebody who doesn't want to give you a client who doesn't want to give you any information mm-hmm. or any direction mm-hmm. but is very particular about the font choice <laughs> oh like, boy. that's the least of your problem like you're talking about oh well, if we have a three story arc, do you have a story? Any stories, yeah. any at all. Like, do you have any characters? You're talking about, oh, well, if we have this background with characters. Like, yeah, you're just talking about hypotheticals here. Like, do you actually have any scripts? Like, do you have words on paper? Because I understand COVID and, 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 and getting people on set and, like, soap operas were, like, making out with mannequins to not have too many people on. on. That was just weird and creepy and wrong, but yet it's soap operas, so it kind of all fits. And I'm surprised that that actually wasn't a soap opera before then. Mm-hmm. But anyway, but, you know, the one thing that you can do is write. You could write. You could say, we have 12, 20, 30 scripts done Mm-hmm. Locked. We are ready to go. As soon as we get the, as soon as we get a chance to start doing casting and all this, we are ready to go. And we have got a great story. So far, I have heard absolute zip about an actual story 
or what this is going to look like. Not that I'm expecting them to go all DC and give me like everything in the trailer, but I haven't heard squat about actually like somebody saying, "Oh, we've got a story. Mm-hmm. We've got some. I've we have some great ideas for characters. We have some great. None of this. It's all like, well, you know, we could do this. We could. You know what? You, you know what you could do? Sit your ass down in a chair and write the freaking thing, <laughs> so we have a chance of seeing it sometime before like the 23rd century when Buck Rogers actually takes place. That's what might be what you could do. Stop worrying about how you're going to release the episodes because by the time you actually get this thing written and shot, streaming isn't going to be a thing anymore. It's going to be beamed straight into our head from a satellite. Ladies and gentlemen, this Lewis Black moment was brought to you by what are you drinking? (laughs) I can't see out of my left eye again. Is that normal? Uncle Todd has gone into Lewis black mode, ladies and gentlemen. He will return shortly once he composes himself. <laughs> what is this room? Where? What am I doing? Where am I? Oh my gosh! Yeah, no, it, I, it, it, I, it I hear you, merit. brother. I hear you. It has merit. Like there, you could totally do that. Yes, yeah. but you know what? That's the last thing I want you to talk about right now. Yeah. That's like telling me, like, oh, we've got this new show and blah 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 blah, and the characters all wear these really cool shoes. Okay. The well, one thing, unless it's about shoes, I could give a crap. The one thing I, I, I'm, and and I'm not, I'm not someone. I mean, we we've talked quite a bit about you know Favreau and Filoni and understanding like their background and stuff with Star Wars. I am not as familiar with Sam Esmail. Um, I I do know from from what I've read that he took a show called Mr. Robot, which I don't think was supposed to really amount to a whole lot, and he did a very good job with it from a creative standpoint. Mm-hmm. It is reasonable to to think that he could also do this with, um, you know, with with this show potentially, mm-hmm. and maybe with the release mechanisms that you know, kind of the approach they're thinking, possibly do something with it. But I uh-huh. agree with you that until we actually hear a premise or have some idea of what the heck they're going to do, it, it seems like you're putting the cart before the horse. Oh, I mean, like a mile and a quarter before the horse. Yes. Like the horse isn't even in sight. <laughs> All right. Like the horse, the horse at this, and and in in the way that this is working, the horse might not have even been born yet. We might be waiting a while for the horse to catch up, and then the cart's going to be rotted. <laughs> the cart's ready to go. It's going to be twenty years though. <laughs> yeah, you know, by that time, oh well, we got trucks. Well, oh well. All actually, right. So so here's something funny. I actually I read this, and this is a total sidetrack. But apparently, like Sweden, I think. I think it was Sweden. Mm -hmm. The government of Sweden planted like acres and acres and acres of oak trees back in like the early 1800s because they were going to they were going to use them for shipbuilding. Mm -hmm. And they got the word that those oak trees were ready to be harvested in 1975. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Just in time for them to not be used for shipbuilding because now everything's made out of metal. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if this is what this, and you know what, if that's the way it goes, then I am perfectly fine having this pop up on the Weekend Geek like every month or so, making fun of it and just letting it go away. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. I rewatched, uh, I rewatched the the BSG miniseries the other night. Mwah, chef's kiss. It was better than I remembered it. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. I am fine if that's all. If all I have is those four seasons to go back to and two movies, whatevs. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. I can live with that. Oh my gosh, and everyone looks so young. Holy crap! Even Eddie almost looks like 
I know. I compared know. to like the last episode, like he he looked like he was like twelve years younger, which I'm like, well, you know that you know it it was an apocalypse. I mean, yeah, that'll happen. Hey, they were on the run for a while, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, this was a much extended and prolonged week in geek, but there you have it, my friend. I feel like we we've solved some things, and I feel like I've I've vented my spleen. I'm feeling I'm feeling. I was better. gonna say it feels like you've you've cleansed yourself. <laughs> yes, yes. It was it was essentially it was like a ah it was like a it was like a laxative for my spleen. Oh, good lord! What the hell was that? It was an enema. Oh, oh it was gosh. a it was an entertainment enema. Yes, yes. All right, so now we get to the business at hand. I was which, gonna say uh, the business. The business. Uh, we're going to get down to the bit. Wait, why am I talking like Dusty Rhodes all of a sudden? You know, I'm I gonna, don't know. I always go to that too. Let me tell you, the American Dream. What? What was it hit with? Like him and Ric Flair. What was that? The Battle of the Lisps. I think so. Between the two of them, I think so. It was yeah. the weirdest yeah. thing. Anywho, um, so WandaVision uh, premiered this past Friday. Mm-hmm. We are recording this. Uh, on January 17th, so it premiered on Friday, and I don't know about you, I had no idea they were dropping two episodes. No. The first, first right out of the shoot, and I'm glad they did. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really glad they did, because I feel like the you needed two episodes back-to-back mm-hmm. to kind of be like, all right, I think I get where you're going with this. If they just give me one, I would have been like, I don't know if I like this, but two in, I'm like, okay, I think I've now I've got an idea of how you're going to do this. Okay, gotcha. You know, mm-hmm. so we got two episodes of WandaVision. This is the first Marvel Studios Marvel TV show that is taking taking place on the Disney Plus, um, and so <laughs> even that's better than Peacock. <laughs> oh yeah, totally Disney Plus. Even if you say it like that, it's still better Disney than Peacock. Plus. <laughs> oh, see now that's just badass. <laughs> Let me tell you, you are going to watch the Disney Plus. It is the best. <laughs> the best. Um, somebody get Jack Black on the phone. We've got a promo deal for him. We do. We do. So this is the first, although apparently now uh, there is some idea that some of these other Marvel shows, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which are all kind of, they're kind of, I don't know if that's a if they're considering it a legacy move like legacy shows because like a Fantastic Four, um, I think Incredible Hulk, all those are, are as they as they're being acquired or the the licenses are running out and they're going to Disney Plus, then uh, they're they're put under like this kind of um, you know extended universe ish sort of thing mm-hmm. legacy area, and I think there's there's still considering like uh, you know uh, Agents of Shield, Agent Carter, and stuff like that as canon ish for the marvel for the mcu but i wonder how they're going to start fitting in like some of the other shows like daredevil was um the punisher which was actually a oh it's a tremendous show for one season and the second season Meh. but i'm wondering how those are going to kind of fold in eventually and i have heard that those might fold in but this is kind of the first official like hey guess what we got like the names mm-hmm. it's not like oh well we got clark Gregg. great I don't think Clark was all that busy. Nice guy. I don't think he was booked, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but now we've got like, hey, here are the folks from the movies making a TV show. So this is the first kind of MCU mm-hmm. TV show. Man, this was a trip. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Um, what were your first impressions? Dude, I loved how as they're doing like the Marvel Studios logo and you get kind of the normal thing and then all of a sudden it goes into like the 
you know, the the mono mm-hmm. old school TV like speaker and black and white. I was like, oh, we're definitely we're starting right off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was expecting I was expecting it to be kind of like Watchmen in the MCU and I found it delightfully disorienting. Yes. But it definitely wasn't Watchmen, but there were there were because it wasn't just kind of odd all the way around, but it it like the first episode I think did such a great job of like you're watching you're like I keep waiting for something to happen here yeah and then it they waited 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 till like almost the end of the show before they gave you kind of those that that kind of tense moment where you're like oh what's happening here yeah <laughs> this is getting weird and then snaps right out I liked it a lot. I, I liked I liked everything about it, especially as someone who who was a religious Nick at Night watcher back mm-hmm. in the day growing up, like my three sons, Donna Reed, Mr. Ed, all those, and I was like, "Ooh, I'm right at home here." Yeah, I've, I'm very familiar with how this works. Mm-hmm. How about you? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think I think your phrase "delightfully disorienting" was is is appropriate. I felt. Like it, it, the first five or ten minutes, it, it took me a little bit to get into the groove, and I mm. don't know if it was because coming off of, of of a show like Mandalorian, which is telling you know kind of a direct story, and, and you're you're kind of immersed in the universe, you know, like like any new show, it, it takes a little bit to kind of get yourself oriented in in the the fictional world that's being kind of built and 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 you know these characters function in and yeah we're already familiar with with vision and and wanda maximoff but we're just kind of like thrown into this i love lucy kind of or dick van dyke show kind of mm-hmm. you know, format with them and it is just so different you know it, it's yeah and and from what i read and and i believe this is the case that at least for episode 1 they they did film it in front of a live audience yes i believe there was a there's a lot of it that's shot in front of a live audience yeah. i don't think all of it was no, there's no. definitely I, I think some parts that were episode 2 was laugh tracks i think episode 1 was a live audience and it was a little surreal at first because we've only ever seen these two characters in you know the the setting of the avengers movies where there are mm-hmm. very serious things afoot and 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 you know matters to be dealt with and for it to be this kind of and, and and right out of the gate they 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 well let me take a step back so so to start out and have it be very lighthearted and it's all comedy and this sort of thing it was just very strange and then like right away and, and this is where i think the the brilliance of it is you know comes into play is they start to weave in the fact that they don't even understand why they're there. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, like right away, the questions start happening like, hmm, we have this heart on the calendar. What does it mean? You know, and, and we don't really truly understand like why we're here and when did we get married and how did we meet? And yeah, you know, well, so, all, so part of, of that, that is they managed to weave in and I love it because it could very easily be looked at as a parody of all those old TV shows, sitcoms. Oh yeah. 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 Definitely. And, and in some ways it is, but it's also an homage mm-hmm. because they are, they are totally like the down to like the set of their house in the first episode is the Dick Van Dyke. It's based on the Dick Van Dyke set. Mm-hmm. 
that's the that is like the house and it's it's modified slightly like down to the fact that when he comes down and he's about to to run into the chair yes. and that's where Dick Van Dyke would sidestep it and then he goes through it you know yes. which I was like yes. that's a nice little touch um <laughs> But that is like based off of the Dick Van Dyke set. And then you notice it actually changed in the second episode. Yes. Different house. And Yeah. But it's also a very standard looking sitcom living room set mm-hmm. where you have that you have the you know, the, the couch in the front. And then you imagine that they're looking at a TV or something. And then in back of them is the stairs up and then the, the doorway out so that people can come in and go out and then come to the front of the stage and, and back and, and, and right. all that stuff. Right. But I just I love the idea of them weaving in something like, oh, hey, the boss is coming over to dinner. Right. Like and that was always in all those old TV shows. But they used it as a way to, like you said, to to tie in the fact that they're not really sure what's going on. Like you start understanding they're not they're not completely conscious of what's happening. Right. right. You know, and I love how they managed to to take that instead of like making the whole thing like, oh, I don't know why we're here. Like they they take this thing where you, where anyone who's watched any of those old shows is like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I've seen this episode. Right. And, like a dozen times. And, and and it's threaded throughout the episode. Like like it, yeah. do, it doesn't stop, right? They they, they they don't quite understand what the heart on the calendar means and they're gonna try to mm-hmm. figure it out. Vision goes to work, he's sitting there, he gets whatever he needs to do done, and then he asks his coworker, he's like, What do we actually produce? <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Like he's trying to figure out like, okay, I work here, I'm doing something, but what what are we actually like? What is our purpose? Like, why are we doing what we're doing? And, yeah. and no one can answer the question. And it's yeah. really, really funny. But it all, but that also plays into like all of those old TV shows where you never really understood what the what the dude when he goes to work, what they're actually doing. Mm-hmm. But again, another way to, to kind of play off of that, but then also tie it into this like, well, what's going on? Yeah. You know, oh, it's just it's it's very well done weaving those things in and and the way that they managed to kind of take a step up in the second episode as far as kind of the oddness yeah. and introducing new characters. But yeah, I, just overall, I I I enjoyed it. And and the thing is like like uh, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany really good at like comic timing mm-hmm. and like really good at at like kind of acting in this very specific kind of genre of television yeah yeah you know like and being able to portray that it is really good like they were both really good yeah yeah definitely and i you know and and, and a, a little shout out to the casting um I, I don't know if you noticed in in the work in, in kind of the office uh scene in episode one I really liked, I guess the actor's name is David Lengel, but he's called Phil Jones, but he, he was the poor schluff that was like carrying his yes. box of stuff out. Yeah. And, and did he not just like, I, I mean, I don't mean to stereotype, but but did he not look like a guy from the 50s? You know what I mean? Like, oh, totally. Like, like not just in terms of how he was dressed, but his face and like just everything about him just looked like, my gosh, this looks like a guy out of the Dick Van Dyke show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, like, totally. like back in the 50s. I mean, they just found someone who and, and there's been guys like that. I, I can't think of the actor's name, but there was um, he played the uh, motor. He, he, he was a cop on a motorcycle in the movie Dumb and Dumber. He's the one who pulled them over and then like drank like they ended up like peeing in these bottles and he thought it was liquor and he ends up drinking it. Yeah, like yeah, he, yeah. he's another him, guy. Yeah. Like, there's just some actors that just in in their look and the way they kind of portray themselves, they just have that kind of old time, you know, 50s and 60s kind of sensibility about them. 
And mm-hmm. I just really thought like, you know, some of the casting they did was just spot on because the, these folks look like they belong in that time frame. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and, and uh, actually, my favorite piece of casting is actually uh, Catherine Hahn. As, oh, as yes. Agnes, oh, the my neighbor. gosh, yes. She is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. She, I, she is so good. Like, she is like every neighbor's wife, like neighbor wife that has been in any show, just kind of like just just way out there and just, you know, I, I oh, it's, and she's great. But then also kind of like adding in some of those like, like every Catherine Hahn character yeah. has this vague sexual undercurrent <laughs> that yes. kind of makes, yep. that makes things uncomfortable at odd moments. And yep. Like it's still there, like the way she's looking at the mailman's butt when he's walking away, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, "What's going on?" Like, there's so many things happening here, but she's great. She, I, she, I love the fact that she's yeah. In. Her, her portrayal really reminded me a lot of like Anna Gasteyer from SNL. I don't know if you remember her, and and just the way she would kind of like like ham it up and and kind of overplay mm-hmm. some characters. I mean, she because that's that's really what she's doing. She's just kind of playing that, like you said, that that you know neighbor wife who is just you know kind of nosy, kind of. You know the know. I don't mean to say know it all, but but she just seems to have kind of that that you know she's always there to help Wanda yeah. out. You know, and yep. and she just knows what to do and what they need, and, and you know, and and that. and maybe she'll end up being kind of a more consequential character as as time goes on. Because, like I said, the 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 thread that kind of runs through both episodes is that there's something off. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and we know this, right? I mean, as, as viewers, we know this. We we saw Vision die in Avengers Infinity War. Thanos mm-hmm. ripped the, you know, stone out of his head. I forget if it was was it the mines I think it was the Mind Stone. Yes. And uh and, and and that's that's the last we saw Vision. He had no you know, he, he was unfortunately not one of the heroes that returned in Endgame because he was mm-hmm. essentially done at that point. So to see you know, to, to, to like, we're coming in with that context and to kind of see him there and have him still be vision, but in this hammy kind of Dick Van Dyke way was just, like you said, it's, it's just delightfully disorienting. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it, it doesn't make sense, but yet as, as it goes on, I mean, you know, my wife and I watched it and we were, you know, we were laughing at some of the jokes. I mean, it, it was done very much in that 50 style, but yep. there were some things that were just really just funny, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you had to laugh and you had to enjoy it. The dinner scene was interesting. Oh, yeah. That was that was weird. Yeah. Because then Deborah Joe Rupp. The mom from that 70s show. <laughs> oh, God bless her. I'm just so happy that she was in this because I she's one of those, those actresses. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. OK. She's still around. Nice. I just feel better knowing that she's still walking the planet because she was great. Yes. And as and, and added so much to when the scene started getting weird, mm-hmm. like as he's choking, managed to like take her thing of like, oh, stop it to like this really weird place yeah. of yeah. almost like you can't tell if she's like who she's telling to stop it. And whether or not she's she's like trapped in this moment, like I just got so like watching it a second time this afternoon. I just got I got so many different kind of emotions happening there. Yeah. Oh, it was great. She added so much to that scene, and and just I mean and just funny too. Just really funny up until like you know just like 
using the lobster as the door knocker on her way out. I'm like, that's such a delightful <laughs> bit of business. Oh, I love that. I do love the uh, the w- w- when they first arrive and uh, Wanda thinks it's it's the romantic dinner, and so she's dressed the way she's dressed, and yes, and uh, you know goes in and, and puts her hands around the boss's eyes, and and you know Vision spins that into oh, it's the old Slovakian sort of greeting. <laughs> Uh, Sokovian. Oh, I'm sorry, Sokovian. And and the and I love the fact that I mean, and just again, this is kind of just stupid. You know, the difference between you know now and back in yesteryear. The fact that like that was what she was wearing is scandalous, and it's like she's dressed like a Quaker. Like yeah, she's she is basically covered from ankle to to shoulder. You know, with a V neck. Yes, yes. <laughs> but that's like, oh my goodness. They're showing too much. I was oh man, there was so many great little moments in there and and then even like the fake commercial. Oh that yeah. happens like in the middle and it's it gives you that first kind of the first little hint that of of what might be off is the fact that all of a sudden in a black and white show you get this red dot. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 little light on the toaster is lit up red, and yeah. that's the only color in the whole show. It's like, oh, I bet that's significant. And yeah. then, of course, it's you know the Toastmaster Two Thousand by Stark Industries. I'm like, oh boy, all right, <laughs> I know hmm. that name. And the fact that there was a couple of like like Iron Man sound effects during that mm-hmm. commercial, mm-hmm. yeah, there was that was interesting. But I mean, it, but again. The commercial was was so like dated, but then the the amount of time that it took for like the toaster to toast, mm-hmm. and like the tension that started to come in there and being a little bit weird, I was like, "Was well, the toaster's going to totally explode? Something's going to happen? An alien's going to crawl out of the toaster?" And then nothing. Yeah, yeah. It was it was kind of your first hint that like, uh, something's a little something is definitely off here." You know? And you know so some of the articles I've I've read you know since the episodes aired were kind of pointing to like even the tagline in that commercial where it's like forget the past this is your future, mm. um, kind of being a nod toward what may be going on, um, because mm-hmm. because one one of the rumors and, and theories going on right now is you know that I mean certainly that that we we got the impression across these two episodes that it's possible that Wanda is being kind of put through something. Um, mm-hmm. One of the other theories is that in her grief, at, you know, over the loss of Vision, that is this, you know, Wanda's way of coping by by kind of creating this kind of uni- this this alternate reality for herself, um, mm-hmm. where Vision is still a part of it, and and it you know that tagline for you know forget the past, this is your future is kind of apropos to that because you know if she's unable if she's still not dealing with that. And in, in a healthy way and, you know, using her powers to kind of create this sort of other dimension, you know, that she's kind of operating in that that's going to have, you know, obviously consequences long term for her. Yeah. And it, it does seem like there is a certain degree of control that she exerts in this whatever it is. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, the first time that she really breaks the first time she breaks character is when the dude is choking and she snaps out. And she's like, Vision, help him. And I can't. Right. I couldn't quite tell. I felt like there was like a little bit of her accent came back there because the, all the, the rest of the show, she is speaking in like an American accent, and and Wanda yes. has always had the Slova- uh, the, uh, the Sokovian accent. Sorry, I started I with the Slovakian. 
Damn you, sir. Um, I would have done it on my own, quite honestly. It would have happened. Damn you, uh, old man. But she she had the Sokovian accent, and I've, I, I listened specifically this time for her. I couldn't quite tell. Like, yeah. I felt like there was a little bit of it there. But when she when she tells him to, to help him, and obviously then he, you know, he does like the only kind of real like visiony sort of thing that he does in the whole show really is you know reaches into the dude's throat and pulls out the i think it was a strawberry or something Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then at the end of the second episode same sort of thing happens where she's able to like dude comes crawling out of the sewer and she's like no right and everything rewinds so she's obviously able to control things to a certain degree so whether she's in a universe that she or a, a like a multi one of the multiverse universes that or a pocket universe or whatever that she's kind of created and is able to shape mm-hmm. or whether she's being held in a prison, you know? And it's like a, it's almost right. like a matrix type situation where right. she's being held against her will as the a cage for her or something. I mean, show within a show. Yeah. There is, uh, there is an, in, a, a few interesting directions that this could go, but I also, that really helped like having those two episodes back to back and seeing that happen in two episodes and seeing how they, Okay, this is this is how the show is going to go. Yeah, you know, yeah. kind of felt that helped me get into it more. I felt I I agree a hundred percent. I think if they had just aired episode one on its own, I think it it may not have resonated the the same way. I I, I think when you take the two together, it it sets a pace of the story that's being told. It, it, it kind of gets you in, into a rhythm with it if that makes sense uh, mm-hmm. because I really feel like the first five or ten minutes are it's not that they're clunky it's just as a fan of Marvel mm-hmm. they are not standard Marvel fare oh no this is so outside the box of exactly. anything they've done and and you know my my wife and I watched it in, independent of watching it with our kids Um because we had already watched a movie prior to that and they were off, you know, doing their uh, gaming with their friends. But I'm curious to like, I don't think they've watched it yet, but I'm curious to get their feedback on it because they they did not or, or they have not really experienced that sort of Nick at Night sort of thing that you and I did. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious how they take the content of the show, you know, the way it's being done, where it's this very different style than probably anything they've they've really experienced, you know, as far as mm-hmm. watching television. Um, yeah. And, and just to see what they think of it. But but I think they, you know, I think the way they tell the story, you know, especially in episode one, where there's always this kind of vibe of something is off. And I, I'm going to go as far as call it almost like a Twilight Zone-ish kind of vibe, mm-hmm. you know, in, in this world. You know, especially when, when, when the boss is choking and he falls over. Um, one of the articles I was reading today actually was talking about how if you watch it over again and you watch it kind of side by side with Vision being choked out by Thanos, uh, the the two scenes play out very similarly because as oh. soon as Thanos pulls the stone out and, and lets Vision drop, you know, like, like apparently the timing is very, very similar uh, huh. between when the boss is choking and falls over and when Vision is dropped by Thanos. Wow, that's a lot of research to do in like two days. Well, I, no, I mean, I didn't do it. Someone else wrote this. I, well, I'm I know, just, but I'm, I'm, I'm just simply saying, like, messenger. that's remarkable, you know? <laughs> I, you know, I could see that. Also, the thing that's kind of interesting in there is you really, it is, it is Wanda who's in charge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because 
in that scene, as the dude is choking, like Wanda is kind of transfixed. Vision is like very confused and tentative. Yes. Yes. And doesn't know what to do until Wanda tells him what to do. Right. And even even in the beginning of the ep- second episode, like, you know, and they're both playing it up as like they're scared of the branch and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But Vision is actually by far more scared than Wanda is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. So this, it's, this, this is a different vision than we've than we're used to seeing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's there's uh, you know, there's a lot to like about it. Casting all of that. I think just the fact that they they did take their time with it and just i was doing a quick look on this and it looks like so there's nine episodes for okay. this season and after this we get into one per week so it look i mean i'm guessing that maybe they kind of designed this as you know yeah we got we're going to do the two right out front now this has changed this actually was supposed to be later in the year um, I think this, yeah. if I'm re- remembering right, this was going to have happen after the Eternals came out, and close to when uh, Doctor Strange Two was going to come out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, apparently, I don't think I don't even know if they even. St- I think Eternals has been shooting and will probably come out this year. I don't think Doctor Strange had even gone into production yet, so I yeah. don't know if that's going to happen this year. So maybe that's why they're trying to get this one out because I believe it was supposed to kind of bridge between those two. Because of some of the, because of some, a couple of the organizations which are kind of introduced in this show. Yeah, and and before we get to that, yeah, something that that I was reading about it was um, that in retrospect, that maybe this show is a better way to kind of set the context of what's to come with the Eternals and with Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Um, but 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 as you said, if the original plan was for it to come before Doctor Strange, it's serving that purpose. Um, yeah. But but we're entering into um, I, I forget the exact phrase that they use but it's like the cosmic phase of marvel now where i think we're going to get a little more well i thought the cosmic phase was the last phase because that's where we got guardians of the galaxy that's where we were going with thor out in space i thought this was more like the mystical because yeah we're getting may- well maybe i have it wrong i i thought it was called cosmic because the eternals were were part of that but but i don't know maybe i have it wrong i'll i'll take a look for it all right but you were talking about organizations. Well, so uh, we get introduced to, you know what, I'm not going to be able to talk about this, and research. So the research goes. So we uh, we get introduced to SWORD, W-S-O-R-D, which is Sentient World Observation and Response Department. But apparently in in this world, in the, the world of WandaVision, it is Sentient Weapon observation and response department mm-hmm. which uh could be re- could be seen as wanda being regarded as a sentient weapon which mm-hmm. apparently in the comics she was yeah and uh which if you if you've uh watched uh logan which if you haven't seriously what the hell's wrong with you <laughs> it's i mean come on come on um so one of the songs that, is done by johnny cash <laughs> yeah one of the 1800 movies that's used uh, Hurt as its uh, the, the theme for its trailer. Uh, but uh, Charles Xavier in that movie is essentially a sentient weapon, a, a sentient weapon of mass destruction. And I think that, uh, of course, given Wanda, who in the comics, Scarlet Witch, uh, is, is a very powerful character. And in fact, is uh, when they were talking about Endgame, said that basically Captain Marvel, you know, put up a good fight, but actually the closest Thanos came to being taken out was when Scarlet Witch was facing him one-on-one. And that's Rain when he did the whole... Fire! 
Exactly. And that's the only thing that saved his butt. It, for, as Scarlet Witch is going to take him out mm-hmm. single-handedly. Yeah. I mean, that's that's badass. And so Wanda is no joke. She is a very powerful being in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would make sense that uh, an organization like S.W.O.R.D., which is apparently like the, the intergalactic counterpart to S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> S.W.O.R.D. and S.H.I.E.L.D. Huh, isn't that funny? Is a uh, you know would be wanting to keep an eye on her, especially if we're then talking about like, right? You know everything that fell happened with Infinity Stones and and all this that you know other planets would all of a sudden be like, hey, you know what? Uh, uh, you gotta you gotta wrangle on what she's doing because we're a little concerned. And uh, then of course we get into uh, the the other part of this is that uh the end of spider-man far from home when nick fury is shown lounging on the spaceship in like his little cubicle at the beach uh that apparently that is a kind of a nod to sword that apparently he might be working with them now so it's all starting to tie a little bit together and uh, apparently wanda is on their radar now aim is advanced idea mechanics this is also uh was in iron man 3 mm-hmm was a uh, was a Killian's little think tank mm-hmm. and that is where kind of we get into the the beekeeper crawling out of the sewer because apparently that was what the aim troopers kind of look like they look like beekeepers their their outfits kind of resemble that so oh, it's obviously that's not like their uniform but i mean just the idea of like that's what they're referred to as by like the heroes is oh yeah the beekeepers mm-hmm. and it's an original branch of hydra and is actually created by baron strucker who then we saw referenced in the watch commercial that was in the middle of episode 2 oh, so you had the the strucker watch and then on the face of the watch was hydra right oh i saw that yeah, i noticed the hydra thing yeah and that's I. It took me a second to get that the first time I watched it, and then we watched um, Avengers two uh, last night, and I was like, Ah, yes! Now I remember Baron Strucker. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. He yep. he didn't. Things didn't go too well for him, which would also tie into the fact because that's where the twins came from. That's where Wanda and her brother came from as enhanced beings. Yeah, uh, I mean, in some keep- ways, Strucker is responsible for her state, right? Oh, totally. Yeah, because, yeah. They, because you, it's all based on on you know the the Infinity Stone that they were using at the time. Yep, and the and they were the only ones that survived. You know, this, yeah. the experimentation that they were doing on them. Yeah. So now that we have those two organizations, now things start kind of they start kind of coming together. And mm-hmm. and okay, now maybe we have a couple of couple of interested uh, parties who would be wanting to keep tabs on one Wanda Maximoff mm-hmm. and 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 what she is up to with a uh, with uh, the the memory of vision the the act i mean the thing is could she actually in some ways bring back vision could she bring back vision from another uh from another reality who knows we do not know it's gonna be fun finding out though it will what did you think of the beginning of episode two where that where it very much uh and, and by the beginning i mean the the title sequence where it was very much a bewitched kind of feel to it oh it was great <laughs> Again, I, I like I like how they they're like every week is it's seeming like it's going to be just a little bit different. And hey, we're going to reference another TV show. Another evolution. Yeah. Yes. I, I like that. I, I like the end of it where they go from black and white to color, because, again, that's something that happened with so many sitcoms is when color TVs became readily available. All of a sudden now. Mm-hmm. 
you know, shows that last season were in black and white. Now, hey, look, it's in color. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of kind of funny. But it, but before that, we only had a couple of uh, times when we saw color, and uh, one being the the red light on the toaster, and then yep. of course we we had a helicopter in episode two. Yes, that's where I was going. Yes, with a with a couple of very recognizable colors. A little bit of Iron Man going on there. Yeah, yeah, it was, wasn't it? But it uh, it had a sword logo on it. Jarvis dropped my needle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, uh, but and then of course, then the the funny thing is, I think I actually noticed, and I might have my eyes might have been playing tricks on me. Uh, but as we were going through episode two, the earrings that Wanda was wearing during the talent show, mm-hmm. I believe that the gold from those was in color. Oh, I didn't notice that. I didn't I didn't just I didn't rewind it or anything. I just noticed it just as I think I saw the light, last scene that they were in cuz then I couldn't see them after that. Mm-hmm. But I thought I remembered those being in color as well. So it seemed like red. And then of course when the when the the lady cuts her hand on the glass. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And you see the blood and that's red. Yeah. So it, apparently only like Iron Man colors are showing up in here, which is kind of interesting because like Iron Man be Iron Man gone. Mm-hmm. But what's you know why is this a tie-in? Yeah, yeah. Well, and 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 the other aspect of it too is in that on you know when she looks at that helicopter, is we see that sword symbol again, mm-hmm. which indicates that. And then one of the the Yahoo article I, I was uh, you know referring to in our in our show notes um, shows uh, Catherine Hahn's character when she appears. Uh, so so Wanda has gone out of the house. She finds this helicopter in color uh mm-hmm. even though the show is black and white and she's looking at it Catherine Hahn walks up and and interestingly interestingly enough says look it's the star o the show yes which yep. i didn't originally pick up on when i first saw it but then i was like oh that's very interesting mhm yeah and so there, yeah. there are these moments in in the second episode where there's kind of this this like fourth wall being broken in the show. I think the second instance is when you know she's talking to Dottie and and she says to her, you know, I don't mean anyone any harm. And Dottie's like, yes. I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and in a, and in a way, it's very weird for someone to say that. Like, I mean, you don't that she's just met. <laughs> You don't. I don't talk to people like that. Like I don't mean you any harm. Like people are like, what in the hell are you talking about? You don't mean me any harm. You know, it may, might be because I'm only like five eight. But anyways, I knew when I moved into the apartment, that a lot of harm was going to be meant. So, <laughs> well, lacerations to the liver don't count, or, um, or or beatings in Madden football. Yeah, well, that too. Hey, it's not my fault. You kept picking the wrong team, man. Uh, so the scars, man, scars. Yeah. Well, that's from you flipping out and flopping around in your recliner. <laughs> uh, so we, uh, but the thing is, I, I've, I'm then I'm starting to get like a little bit of a Truman Show vibe. Mm-hmm. Like so, now are we getting into a part where are people being playing a part in here to try and keep Wanda happy? Like, is it is it like a Truman Show slash Matrix where let's just try and keep her here and keep her happy? Right, because it does right. seem like there are those moments where people are trying to. You know, just keep her on track. Don't, no, 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 don't pay attention to that over here. You know, or, mm. you know, or like even the, a few moments after that when they go down the sidewalk and then all the little Stepford wives come out from the thing led by the, the lead Stepford wife. And, uh, and she's like, you know, maybe I could just try and be myself more or less. Yeah. And there's that odd pause 
where Agnes is looking at it and then just has a <laughs> like that was creepy. Yeah. Like yeah. what what was that about? So yeah, there's I I get what you're saying. Like there is a a weird vibe there. Like it, it's it's there's like five or six different directions they could go in with this. Well, and and then to add to that, you know, when you know talking about the you know kind of the fourth wall being broken, there's that moment or a couple moments where the radio Oh yes, you know, glitches out, and you hear someone basically saying, "You know, Wanda, can you read me? Who is doing this to you?" Yeah, and 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 it kind of like like to your point, it kind of gives the impression there's this Truman Show aspect going on with her. Yeah. However, going back to you know one of the theories that I mentioned, what if the reveal ends up being that this is all of her own making? Well, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean, like like. You know, I, I, I don't know what direction they're going in. It, th- this could be misdirection or this could be, you know, kind of a hint as to where they're going to go. But it's kind of an interesting aspect of it where you have this voice come over who happens to be. Uh, let me just pull up the IMDb page. The voice is uh, one uh, Randall Park who played uh, Jimmy Woo. I believe mm-hmm. he was an agent in uh, Ant-Man uh, and the Wasp. Yep. He was uh, an FBI agent, wasn't he? FBI agent. So... Uh, that is the voice coming over the radio, so it's unclear if you know he's you know if this is really him coming through to try to wake her or to kind of break her out of whatever she's in, or like I said, is this just misdirection and we end up finding out this is really just all her own doing? Yeah, well, the and and so many little kind of like. Oh, I love this touch because I was listening for it this time because uh, so if you notice the the song the, the throughout the little pool party meeting they're having there there you know the radio's playing and then right before when uh when Juan is helping <laughs> helping clean up she's doing all the cleanup then the the radio has switched and now it's yeah help me Rhonda by the Beach Boys now I have listened to that song thousands of times mm-hmm. I was a I was a big Beach Boys fan because apparently I was an old man before my time when I was like in elementary school and junior high but an old soul if you will yeah, or just crusty. Um, so, but right before the voice cuts in, it goes from "Help me, Rhonda." You can hear it change to "Help me, Wanda." Mm-hmm. Once, which I was, I I thought I heard it the first time, and the second time again, I'm like, okay, now I think I'm going to hear something here. Yes, mm-hmm. there's definitely a, it's a W, not an R. And then, of course, you get the message, which is just another little, like it. Is someone trying to send her a message? So is now is someone sending a call for help? Yeah. Or was that just to get attention? Or what is this now? Sword and aim. Sword is is supposed to be good guys. Mm-hmm. Aim is supposed to be bad guys. So it would make sense if you have this this place where she is at now. The, at the end of episode one, they as they pull out and you're you know the the credits are rolling in black and white and then all of a sudden you come out through the tv screen and someone's watching this show on tv and there's sword you know uh logos on everything just to make sure you understand like even on the notebook you know i'm surprised they didn't have like just a hand tattoo on the person (laughs) just to make sure like hey you know what this is um which i mean granted i needed it so uh sword is off obviously watching if the beekeeper is showing up, well, now is that, you know, is that the bad guys trying to infiltrate? And then, of course, then we have the the uh, the matter of Geraldine, mm-hmm. who is a character who shows up in episode two with with Wanda at the little Stepford Wives 
uh, soiree there and uh, introduces herself in a, in a somewhat awkward way, like takes a couple seconds to figure out what her name is. Not normally what you do. Right, right. You're usually pretty confident of what your name is. And uh, it takes her a second. And uh, now I, I started thinking, I was like, you know, I wonder, and as it turns out, uh, this is uh, this could be, or or more than likely is, uh, one Monica Rambeau. Mm-hmm. Uh, the daughter of The daughter of Maria Rambeau, who is uh, Captain Marvel's uh, running buddy mm-hmm. from Captain Marvel. So yeah, the plot definitely thickens here. So there's there's definitely a bunch of different folks who are either trying to keep Wanda in one place or trying to get her out. Yeah, yeah. It's a matter of has anyone put her there, or are they all just watching her because she's put herself there? Right, right. What did you think of in in the second episode uh, the the whole sequence of, of Vision, you know, swallowing the gum? <laughs> oh, it was great. <laughs> I. I love how it just went to like that old school, like, you know, diagram cartoon thing. Yes. Yes. And then we got drunk vision. We got drunk vision. I love it. Paul Bettany, really underrated, like, physical comedian. Like, it was really good doing all of that. And again, just the great comic timing between between uh, Olsen and, and and Bettany, that whole thing was just wonderful. Yeah. It, yeah, it was just so good. And like, I don't get me wrong; it's not like I was like, ah, Elizabeth Olsen sucks. I always thought she was a good character, and I I liked her acting. I liked what she was doing. I just never quite understood how good she was as an actress. Yeah, you know, and and seeing her kind of do this is like, okay, now I've seen you in a couple of different things, and. You're really able to do a whole bunch, uh, you know, like a really good range of things, and and also kind of like like I can even though these are different characters mm-hmm. as such, like they're not just the Vision and and Mon- and uh, uh, Monica, eh, Wanda from the from the Avengers movies. There's traces of them there, yeah. so it's a it's a you know a derivative of those characters. I just I, man, it's it's a lot of fun watching them kind of explore these. Yeah, yeah, and and, and have them in this you know completely different setting than mm. they've ever been in before, really, and 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 play it so differently. Yeah, is is oh, just yeah, is so neat to, to to you know just to see them you know to to see the characters kind of function in in that environment is so different and. I guess what I'm trying to think of is, you know, it, it's not so much the sake of doing something different just for the sake of doing something different, but it's funny that with Marvel, they they took this approach to this sort of story, mm-hmm. and it just works so well. You know what I mean? I, I know we're only two episodes mm-hmm. in, and it's, you know, it's hard to make a, a, a full-on judgment of is it going well or not, but I don't know if it's exactly the same as Guardians of the Galaxy, but you got the same kind of vibe when you saw the trailer to that movie that it was going to be a different kind of movie than what you were Mm. used to seeing with like Iron Man or Captain America. Yeah. And when you saw the trailers for this, you, you know, we already knew it was going to be, you know, kind of this like retro sitcom sort of environment and that it was going to be different, but it was done like these two episodes were done in such a way that by episode two, I felt I, I didn't feel as disoriented as I did in the first, you know, five or ten minutes of of one. You know what I mean? Like, 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 like the 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 rhythm had been established at that point, and yes, yeah, and it just kind of felt like okay, this is actually going to work. They're not, 
you know, I think I think the worst thing for them to do would have been to stay with the Dick Van Dyke format for like four episodes. You know, like I, I, I like the fact that that things are changing every episode mm-hmm. and that things seem to be evolving in a direction because I think otherwise it would just feel like too off. You know what I mean? Like you're, yeah. you're kind of avoiding the you know, I go back to the show Lost and and just how fans felt like the writers were avoiding certain questions to be answered because they were just trying to push the, you know, the mystery off until, you know, the next season. Mm-hmm. And here I feel like the pacing is where it needs to be. If if that yeah. makes sense. Well, that's I think what we're realizing is that there is a benefit to the television format. Oh, because yeah. it was oh, yeah. there was always people always looked at the detriments of it of, you know, oh, well, you got commercial breaks and you've got this and it's only, you know, a half hour or well, actually like 22 minutes when you, you know, 22, 23 minutes for the with the commercials or whatever, you know, and it, it was always, oh, the movies are great because it's just two hours or 90 minutes or two and a half hours or whatever. But what a what a what something like this allows you to do is tell 30 to 40 minute stories and give you a cliffhanger or or to wrap it up in such a way that you you're it's not necessarily not really truly a cliffhanger but it leaves you like going uh, but uh, oh okay I gotta okay I gotta wait it's not a traditional cliffhanger like oh my gosh what's gonna happen it's like man uh, okay that didn't answer all my questions Right. I'm right. still not sure what's going on, you know, and it gives you a chance to have those at regular intervals. And then now with streaming, of course, now you well, we don't have the commercials, at least with most streaming services. And right. you don't have the time restriction of it. it doesn't have to just be this amount of time because then the rest of the time has to be filled with commercials. And then at the at the half hour or the hour, you've got to have another thing coming up, so it's not a time slot. So as we saw with like the Mandalorian, like some episodes are shorter, some are longer, right. and just like with this one, I mean, the first episode I think was what twenty six minutes, something like that, twenty nine minutes, yeah, and then the other one was over a half hour, yeah. So it gives you this freedom to make you know you're still kind of. I'm sure they're not like it's not like next week is going to be an hour long episode. But it lets you be a little more flexible on that and still give you just like this very condensed, here's the story for this week. Right, right. And 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 using that format to its adva- to the advantages of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I really appreciate that about what Mandalorian did and what we're seeing here so far is is it's it's using the advantages that were always inherent in television but were always overshadowed by some of the detriments. Yes. You know, like the commercials and things like that. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. So I, I, I do enjoy that aspect of it. And then also kind of reaching back to give you like this retro sort of feel, but in a in a really ridiculous way that makes it disconcerting. Like I didn't I didn't feel like I didn't feel like I I, I was any less disconcerted mm-hmm. or you know I, I just felt like okay I kind of understand what we're going for. Yeah. I'm still I still don't know what the hell's going on, <laughs> but I, I I feel like I know I at least feel like I'm getting a shape of what this thing is supposed to be, which was my big question beforehand. Like I don't know what this is, but I mean I'll give it a shot. Yeah yeah and. You know, like 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 one question I have for you, which which we haven't discussed yet, is: Do you think there is, 
I'm kind of departing from from what you were just talking about with with the format of it and just getting back into the episode itself. But do you think there's anything to that very eerie kind of chant that they say in episode two about for the children? Oh, yes. Because it's not just like the moms getting together or, or the ladies getting together to plan this event. Like it happens when they do the magician show and they're, you know, mm-hmm. I, I forget if it's when she hands out the trophy or, or the award or something like that, but they're like, oh, yeah, for the children. And it's just like oh, it's, they do it twice. Yeah, it it's, it's, it's like this very strange, later. like like almost chant. You know what I mean? Yep. Mm hmm. And then, if, and then, of course, Wanda's pregnant at the end of episode two. Mm-hmm. And, like, pregnant, pregnant. Not just like, oh, I just found out. Like, no, by the way, I'm four months along. Okay. Yeah. Rightio. Yeah. That, was a, that was a real, you know, like, quick jump from the couch. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. Oh, no, I think that totally has something to do with it. Yeah. And, and, then, and then Wanda and Vision say it at the end. Yes. You know, oh, this is for the children. And then she goes and, oh, I'm, I think the children need some popcorn. And then, oh, she's pregnant, you know? And yeah, that's totally going to play into it. Totally. Yeah. 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 All, all around, I, I, I think, you know, there, there really isn't anything that I didn't like about this. I mean, I think, like I said, the, the first five or 10 minutes just, I, I, I really felt unsettled in the beginning because it just was like, oh God, this doesn't, you know, the, like, like, like the whole back and forth about when she's like cleaning the dishes and throws the dish and hits his head. I'm like, oh my gosh, please don't let this be the level of, of comedy that this is going to be because it just felt so mm-hmm. cheesy and so, oh my gosh, I'm like, this is going to be a disaster if this is what this show is. And thankfully, it, it, it didn't go that way. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. it, 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 it course corrected. I don't even say it course corrected. I mean, it just started out that way and then it just became what it was, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I after that point, after that, like, you know, five or 10 minute mark, it just kind of worked for me, you know, and, and, and I really didn't have a problem with much of it. it. It's one of those things that you just kind of, you, you get familiar with, with the universe, if you will, of, of, of where the show exists in right now. Mm-hmm. And you just have to say to yourself, I'm, I, I got to strap in for the ride, you know, and, yeah. and, and here we go. There really isn't anything that I can point to, to say, this didn't work very well because quite honestly it, it it's it's such a different approach to a to a, a show and to telling a story mm-hmm. that i'm I, i'm very interested to see where they're going with it yeah i can't think of anything that nothing stood out to me as like oh yeah oh that that should have gotten cut or that should have been done differently i mean it like you say it it is such a departure from mm-hmm from what Marvel has done and really what we're seeing on in this in a superhero genre sort of thing like the closest I can think of again would be go to go back to Watchmen and, and it's yeah, not yeah I mean it's not clo- close to Watchmen I mean Watchmen was just bat spit insane from beginning to end well and and, and you know the, this show has a has a, a, a kind of a dark edge to it because again we're, we're not mm-hmm. we we know something is off and something is going to, you know, things are going to be revealed as time goes on. Yeah. But Watchmen was, was dark. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, it also, like it's, yeah. it's like the dark yeah. side of, of, of heroism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the deconstruction of the superhero yeah. and, and the, the closest I could come to, you know, like, Oh, well, yeah, this is Watchmen sort of thing. And what, what made me, 
think, oh, hey, I was right in thinking it was going to be like that mm. is w- one um, from the Watchmen movie, not the series, but the nostalgia commercials where they had Unforgettable playing and it's oh, all black yeah. and white and that sort of thing. That that sort of vibe just kind of reminded me. I remember that when we were, I was watching this for the first time, like, ooh, this is okay, right on. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then also the episode of Watchmen where uh, it was, um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting all the characters' name, but the the main character, um, Lady Knight. Oh is, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Gets is basically back in somebody else's body, right? Because right. she took she took whatever that drug was. That would uh, it was like the memory drug, and so she's in another person's body and and playing out that entire episode. And I think that most of that episode was in black and white, if I remember. Yeah, right. she she was in her. Oh well, th- th- that was the one where she took nostalgia. Yes. Okay. So it was nostalgia, and it was her okay. grandfather's memories. Yes. Okay. So there was. I mean, and that was mostly because of you know, of course, black and white and black and white. It's going to make you think of that, but also just kind of that way of being uncomfortable. Yeah. In yeah. but using retro mm-hmm. and and make and using that as a way to make you feel even more uncomfortable. Like, oh, okay, I I kinda know what this ought to look like. Right. And then when something's out of place, you go, Ooh, ooh, wait a minute. Ah, that really feels out of place because I feel like I ought to know this. Yeah. Yeah. I think they did a really good job of that in WandaVision where they were like, here, we're going to give you something that is that you know. Here's comfort food. Oh, by the way, the meatloaf was made with yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> okay, do I want to know what sort of meat's in this? Like, is it soylent green? Like, what's going on? Right. right. Um, you know, they they do a very good job of, of kind of disconcerting you, but using stuff that you feel like is familiar and then just tweaking it just a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I can't think, I can't think of a thing I would change in this. Not so, I mean, maybe give me a couple episodes and I'll find something well, and- to nip. To nitpick yeah, that, and, but nothing and, yet. And, and, and I want to qualify by saying, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to be fan, and I don't think either of us are trying to be fanboys about this here and, and, and not find fault in what Marvel's doing. But I think, you know, I think what you just said is true. It, it's early enough where it's hard to say, but at least the first two episodes, it, it, it seems to be moving in a consistent direction in terms of the unsettled nature of the universe they're in. Mm. And at least episode two forwarded the story in terms of, you know, it, it's not like we completely abandoned the the questions around why are they there? How did they get there? Who they are? There, there's still, you know, some of that like lack of knowledge of what's going on, you know, and, and, mm. and that doesn't disappear. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I feel like it's, it's a consistent, at least at, you know, to this point, the two episodes are consistent in mm-hmm. the tone and the theme of what they're what they're trying to communicate mm. and they're you know they're they're world building right now and so like you said sword and aim and and all of these these aspects from marvel are, are going to come into play but they're they're being introduced and like i feel like the pacing is where it needs to be you know what i mean like nothing feels rushed nothing mm. feels too slow at this point it just feels like the right pace tempo and tone to kind of get the story going. And it'll be interesting when three and then four come out to kind of see like, where does it go from here? But up to this point, I mean, I'm not going to say it's flawless because like I said, the the first part of episode one was a little odd to me, 
but then mm-hmm. you you get settled in and then uh things seem to you know go you know go as you would expect um yeah and 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 you know it, it at least remains consistent as it continues forward but yeah no i mean i i just i really can't think of something that i would have done differently or stands out as like a sore thumb you know in terms of of not working yeah and the thing is i i, I should probably say like th- this is not going to be everybody's jammy jam oh yeah it just oh, yeah. it just ain't you know like so w- we watched a, a mandalorian as a family and as, except for the the episode with the spiders my wife was riding shotgun with us the whole time as soon as the space spider showed up she left the room in a big old hurry like there was one of those <laughs> there was one of those little clouds puffs of smoke and a little pew, like yep. a, like the road runner streaking out of there she was done yep. and um and i got to admit those things were creepy as hell <laughs> yeah I, yeah that was that was the one episode where i was like Ugh. Uh, i don't think i'm gonna rewatch this one but um you know this is not gonna be everyone's thing and and that's fine you're i mean you're gonna have to probably watch it or read about it to understand where things are going yeah but it's not going to be the thing you go back to and that's and that i mean there's how many mcu movies there's movies that i'll go back and watch i'm always going to go back and watch iron man one i'm always going to go back and watch you know the the avengers movies Mm -hmm. i ain't going to go back and probably watch iron man three not exactly my favorite I probably won't go back. I'm. I mean, I'm definitely not going to go back and watch Thor two. It's just not, <laughs> not my thing. But I watched them so that I would know how it all fits into context. I think that's what mm-hmm. this is going to be. Like people are probably going to go through it, and you know, I mean, let's face it. If you got Disney, Plu- you got Disney Plus, then the Disney Plus, the Disney Plus, uh, then you're gonna you're gonna watch it because you're paying for it. Well, okay, I watched it. Whatever, you know, I'll never watch it again. And and that's fine, but you know it's I, I I do appreciate the fact that they are fully committed to it. Like they are not. It's not half-assed. Like they're no. We're we're all in on this idea, and I can appreciate that. I agree. I agree. So now, where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. Uh, I personally think this is going to be kind of the 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 war for Wanda's soul you know I think there's yeah. going to be some push and pull uh you know of course the the big new the big kind of rumor if not like confirmed is that Wanda is the big bad for Doctor Strange which is kind of like oh my gosh so Wanda's a bad guy well not really because essentially uh and we, I rewatched this uh last night Tony Stark is actually the big bad guy for uh, for Avengers 2 like he is the cause of the entire thing. Like Ultron is hatched out of his head, even though, even though you know he is the bad guy. Tony Stark is kind of either the secondary bad guy or he's the catalyst for the bad guy. So I look at like would the, you say like Age saying, of Ultron or would you say more Captain America three Civil War? No, Age of Ultron definitely because Tony like is the one who sets in motion. He he really he is the Doctor Frankenstein to the monster. Like there wouldn't be no Ultron if Tony Stark didn't create him. He is the entire reason that you have that entire story takes place. Mm. So I mean, well he he's not a villain in a direct sense. I, I, I think what you're saying is in an indirect sense, right? Be- well, because no, he, but he's, he's not he's not sitting there twirling his mustache and happy to see what's going on. Mm-mm. I feel like more of that goes on in Captain America Civil War. 
Um, I don't think he's necessarily a bad. I don't think Tony has ever really been the bad guy traditionally. No, but but his arrogance and his like I, I like I remember watching that movie and thinking, you know, again, Marvel being geniuses that they are, you know, or or, or the producers, um, just like you've got me feeling like Tony Stark is is just this jerk at this point. You know, like mm-hmm. in that movie, he is at his jerkiest. Um, because he, he's so playing up this whole thing of where he feels that they, and, and he mentions it again in Avengers Endgame when he comes back to Earth and he's still like recovering, when he has his whole diatribe against Captain America, he's like, I talked about the pseudo armor that needed to be around the world and you fought me and told me yep. that our precious freedoms were more important. Like that, like that mm-hmm. is the whole crux of Captain America Civil War is freedom versus you know security. Well, but at the same time, Tony does have a point, and and there, I mean, and they and both there they are both have to be made absolutely. Yeah, but but he played he's played up as the villain. I feel a bit more in in Captain America: Civil War because of his arrogance, not because he's evil, but of his well, yeah. arrogance. Yeah, so he's more of like a he's more of a. He is more of a catalytic antagonist. Yes. In both cases. And I see what you mean about cases. Age of Ultron, because without him doing that, there would mm-hmm. be no conflict for them to deal with. Yeah. So I think that's kind of where, so it, when they say, like, Wanda's going to be the big bad in Doctor Strange, I think it's going to be one of those types of situations where Wanda is, Wanda might go a little cray-cray. And and that's where you know Doctor Strange and and of course we get into a multiverse and 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 all of this is going to kind of play out. Um, Do you so, think? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I don't think. Not not even in the least, which our listeners will attest to. Do but but do you find it interesting that we're talking multiverse in Marvel now that the Infinity Stones are destroyed? Like like like, do you think this is a byproduct? Like, remember when Hulk is talking with um, the Ancient One? In 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 Endgame, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. when he goes to fetch the, uh, you know the uh, time stone from her, yes, and she talks about how the stones keep everything in line. Do you think now that this because Thanos has destroyed the Infinity Stones, at least for the timeline that that you know we saw you know kind of Endgame end with, that the multiverse can happen now because the, there are no stones governing the dynamics of the universe anymore. Um, not, not entirely. I think it's probably going to be more out of control. I think that, or do you think it's because of the snap? No, I think it's, I think those have always been there. I think the fact is that the, the, the stones kind of kept order and I think now it's going to be more out of order. And I think that's what we're exploring. I think the fact that the multiverse, because the multiverse was always a thing in, in the comics. And I guess it's like a, you know, technically speaking, like the Marvel, the primary Marvel universe takes place in on Earth 616 or something like mm, that. Okay. And so there's all these different multiverses out there. I think it'll be explained be explained through the fact that, okay, now that they're, the Infinity Stones aren't around anymore, now there's bleed over between these Right. These these multiverses. That that's that's how I multiverse the multiverse uh, through these universes is is, is happening. Yeah. That's I, I think it's a it's a good way to explain it. I don't think it's the cause of it okay. necessarily. I mean you, you said something earlier that I hadn't thought about, which is I wonder if Wanda kind of exacerbates this issue with with the multiverse by trying to pull vision in from a different multiverse. Yeah. I mean I think there's a, a being as powerful as she is, 
you know, and we've seen mm-hmm. this through different characters. I mean, that they can be so utterly powerful that there's not really a great way to control them. And if if they start going cray cray mm. or they start losing control of their abilities, a la, you know, Professor X in Logan, where he literally can't control his abilities anymore and can like kill hundreds of people who are around him just because he loses control of his mind and just like you know, I don't know, scanner like scanner like explodes their brains or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a that's a pretty pretty big deal, mm-hmm. you know, um, and causes a large problem. Yeah, I, I I do think there's an element to this that that I hope they play up a little bit because you know it it, it would humanize Wanda a bit in terms of of if part of all of you know WandaVision and and where things go with Doctor Strange, you know, and and uh, whatever the title is about the multiverse there mm-hmm. um where it, it it's a byproduct of of her inability to deal with the grief of of loss well think of it this because way because i think so, i think that would be just a nice way to humanize her a bit you know oh well i mean wanda is like to me is one of the most human characters in the avengers and that's saying something cuz you got one dude who's like only superpower is like hey i'm really good with a bow and arrow <laughs> Um, all right, whatever. I guess, I guess, you know, standards, standards be dropping. So, uh, but so after watching Age of Ultron, Mm -hmm. she's kind of a badass, you know, starting out and and messing with all the Avengers heads. But then of course, when the stuff starts really coming down and they have that moment where like Hawkeye has, again, the bow and arrow dude has to like save her and they're in that house Mm -hmm. and he has that conversation of like, listen, you know, you can stay here and I'll tell your brother where to come and get you. But if you go out those doors, you fight and you fight to kill. Yeah. And 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 that whole thing of like when if you go out those doors, you're an Avenger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he's like and then he takes off and then he gets in trouble. And she and then you get that great scene of her just coming out. It's like whoosh, the doors open. And she just starts tearing apart robots and all that. And then all of a, you're like, oh, my gosh, this she's she is like coming into her own. And then, of course, you know the whole thing where she's going to defend the church thing where, you know, right. they can't get to it. And then her brother gets killed. And of course, you know, I guess they play up the whole like, oh, they're twins. They know. And as that happens, like she just releases this energy that just destroys everything around her. Mm-hmm. And that that grief. And I mean, this is these are two. These are two people who lost their parents right. in an attack on Sokovia, and then were in rubble and all that. So then she loses her parents, she loses her brother, mm-hmm. and now she loses this this. Well, I'm putting up my air quotes. Man that she loves her lover, android, her you know, vibram- vibranium android, whatever. I mean, hey, I'm not here to judge. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I, I mean, I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. If if I'm a lady and 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 a is this and free range Genesee after dark? <laughs> and if and if a lady, if a lady, if I'm a lady and and an android with Paul Bettany's voice is talking to me, I mean, you know what? Hey, I, I'll I'll go to the movies with you. Why not? Let's you know. Hey, let's just see how this goes. You know, maybe he has a really nice personality. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> that got real weird real quick. Yeah, I know. Where uh, are you going, man? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, she's had all of this loss. Like, yeah. it's not just like losing vision; it's losing her brother. Right. It's losing her parents. You know, I mean, oh my! I mean, it's that's a lot. Well, I and I, and, and, and I don't mean humanizing her in that she she needs that, but but like in Iron Man three, where they tried to 
in in some ways make Tony more relatable because he goes through this the, the this like PTSD from mm-hmm. the attack on New York. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like mm-hmm. that's what I mean. Like yeah, she she lost her brother and she had to deal with that, but Vision was like clearly her love, you know, and mm-hmm. and at the end of Endgame, you you get the sense that you know, she has that that sense of loss and I'm just wondering if someone with her powers you know when when you go through that kind of loss if it doesn't just drive her mad oh to yeah. to a degree where you know then doctor strange has to come in to kind of try to somehow corral it all you know what i mean totally agree interesting fascinating and another thing all right, sir. Well, I think we've we've done that one to death, mm-hmm. as James Brown used to say. Uh, you know, actually, no, he was doing it to death. But you know, we're gonna have a funky good time, nonetheless. So, uh, what do you got for the week? Uh, the weekend geek. What do you got for? You want to do another one another of thing? those? <laughs> no, no, no. Another hour long weekend geek. <laughs> no, no. I had I had a really awkward nap this afternoon where I I oh. now I'm just I feel like I'm totally discombobulated. Bye. But anyways. Let's try that again. So what do you got for and another thing this week? Uh, my and another thing, I, I I decided to put this one out there just because I thought it was apropos to our, our topic of the evening with WandaVision. Uh, uh, yes. o- over the holidays, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I, I kind of wrapped up 30 Rock with, uh, you, you know, viewing that with, with my wife. And we were kind of hunting for some new content to check out. And you know, for quite some time, we've been wanting to watch uh, Jordan Peele's uh, version of Twilight Zone on CBS Ooh. All Access. Oh, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's on CBS All Access? Mm-hmm. I know. You have buffering issues, my friend. So you you actually downloaded CBS All Access? I don't seem to have the buffering issues, my friend. You're dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> I know it, it pains you to hear this, but... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, tune in for next week when Jason Ward is my new uh, co-host oh. for Free Range Idiocy. <laughs> killing me, Smalls. You're killing me. Go ride them scruffy coattails now. Oh, brother. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> if they take me. Um, anyways. Uh, they ain't taking either of us. Who we can? I know. I know. <laughs> hey, uh, so, yeah, Twilight Zone on CBS All Access. Uh, season one... Quite good. I, I, I really enjoyed uh, mm-hmm. all the episodes. Um, really had some interesting, and uh, you know, stories to tell, and just uh, a fun mix of characters. You, you had, um, you know, in one of the episodes, you, you have uh, Kumail uh, Nanjani from uh, Silicon Valley uh, in in the first episode of the you know the comedian. You had Adam Scott, who was from uh, wasn't he from Parks oh, yeah. and Recreation, I believe. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's in one. Uh, Steven Yoon from The Walking Dead and Greg Kinnear in another one. Um, just, what? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A lot wow. of a lot of uh, an eclectic mix of, of of actors and actresses in these episodes. Which is uh, is it, that's I mean when you're Jordan Peele and when you've been doing things this right for a little while, you start getting all these folks who are like yeah uh, yeah I'll do an episode yeah uh, sure, yeah sign up sign me up for that. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he's been he's been doing very well for himself and working very hard and doing some really good stuff. He he has. And and season 1 is is solid. Like top to bottom is solid. We're going through season 2. I I'll, I'll be honest, about midway through, episodes get a little funky. 
episodes mm. get a little funky, not in the sense like, of the Twilight Zone funky, but just like funky good time, like James Brown. No, like James Brown no, oh. no, no, not not oh. Godfather of Soul funky. We're 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 Dang talking it. like my God, how did you expect me to get the point of this from the way you just told that story? Kind of funky, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> So it's a little bit different, um, but but I thought apropos because WandaVision in kind of its own way is a bit of a Twilight Zone-ish, you know, it's kind of in that genre a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the way they're telling it. And and this one, Jordan Peele is the narrator. He is he is just fantastic. I, I, I just love him in the beginning and the end. He, he just does such a great job. You know, not obviously Rod Serling will have his place, but uh, Jordan Peele does a very good job, you know, kind of introing and outroing. And even one of the episodes, the finale of season one, they do a really interesting bit where uh, it's 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 done kind of breaking the fourth wall where Jordan Peele is starting to do the intro to it. And the episode is about someone who's on the staff of the Twilight Zone. So he like stops his intro and he's like, he's like, this doesn't make sense. And he's like, he's actually like one of the characters in the episode then. Huh. It's it's really interesting, and and it and it and that episode, that season finale of of season one, is a is is a very nice homage to to Rod Serling. So definitely oh, check that cool. out. But but overall, I I felt season one was solid. We're still kind of working our way through season two, but but the tail end of it's a little bit eh. So uh, buyer beware. Okay, well, and buyer beware, of course, with CBS All Access. Anyways, Uncle Todd has a vendetta with them right now. We will be speaking about this later. Anyways, for me and you, sir, uh, I you know I I had one and then I changed it up again as is my want, as is your habit. I well yes, and uh, quite honestly because I needed to cleanse myself from our Battlestar Galactica talk earlier, <laughs> so uh, I started listening to. Uh, I've been going back and kind of like cherry picking some of the Battlestar Galacticast episodes, and some of the bonus episodes that they had that are kind of after the season proper ended because they were uh, essentially Mark Bernardin and Trisha Helfer were doing a episode by episode rewatch of the entire show, which if you thought our episodes were exhausting actually you won't find these exhausting at all because mark menarden and trisha Pelfer, uh, trisha helfer are delightful to listen to they it's it is stupid the amount of podcast chemistry they have and do they uh, actually course, keep to a time frame unlike you and i ish yeah ish i mean of course it's like you know it, it, it's a much more professional classy operation than what we've got you know but uh and and it is great because i love mark bernardin's just utter fandom of the show and and his love for the show but also his writer kind of insight and uh, then of course you have the insight of trisha helfer and then i i i don't know why i think i've said this before but i just i i really enjoy like potty mouth trisha helfer like when she drops an <laughs> f-bomb i don't know why but it is just awesome i love it the andrew like, dice clay version of trisha helfer is that what you're saying yeah because she just she'll do it and it's like i'm so sorry i'm just like oh you know you you go right ahead caprica you go right ahead with yourself um but the 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 episode i listened to today was about the plan and it was with writer jane espenson who was uh one of the writers who i think she was the lone writer she was the main mm. writer for that ep- for that movie and uh, had kind of inherited it from a couple of other writers who by the time they were they were getting ready to make it they were not available so she got handed this and she was brought on to 
uh, brought onto the show officially in season four. So she was really there for the last season mm. and then the plan. And it was interesting hearing her talking about what it was like trying to piece that together because they uh, she had a beat sheet of what the, the prior writers were like, okay, hey, here would be some cool things to do. And then they had to go through and like, okay, who can we get? Okay, well, Katie Sackhoff's not available. This person's not available. This person, like all these people who got a gig like right after BSG wrapped, mm. they couldn't get them. And so it's like, okay, well, so we can't have any new Starbucks. All right, we'll cross off these five things that we could do. And, oh, oh, we can't get this person. Cross off these five things that we could do. Oh, interesting. And, and really kind of refining what that story became. And then some of the things that they, they're like, okay, yeah, we want to try and we want to tug on this thread and then tie it off. And, oh, we kind of want to do this and tie that off. And you know what? That, we're just going to let that hang. And it's, it's really cool. And it's, it's really kind of fun listening to her being able to interact with with Mark as a writer and, and the writerly part of the things that was going on and then also with Trisha from a standpoint of like you were actually acting in this and and had a lot of like important parts that like carried a lot of you know the weight of this thing because you're playing two characters in this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I oh my gosh Mark Bernard came up with a best best name there was the Shelley Shelly Godwright or something like that was uh, was the the kind of like the nerdy kind of like laboratory like the the six that showed up with all the information from the the scientist who was right, going right. to frame Baltar and all that yeah um, and then and then there was the other one and they and I think I call I think I said uh, she was called Tough Six yes and I, yes apparently the early thought was that they were going to call her Hard Six. Um, <laughs> Which didn't make the cut, but Mark Bernardin came up with Dominasix, which I'm like, oh, that's per. I'm so upset I didn't come up with that. Oh, winner, winner, chicken dinner on that one. She's got like the like the pleather outfit with the, like the chains and stuff. I'm like, oh man, that was right there for the grasping. But it, again, it just shows why Mark Bernardin gets these gigs, and I don't. It's a diabolical genius. Oh, he oh, and he's so great to listen to. And again, the chemistry is great. It's a great episode to listen to, and I uh, highly recommend it. I highly recommend any of those mm-hmm. shows because mm-hmm. uh, no matter what, even if uh, even if you're listening to what you think is a mundane, and I, I am using quotey fingers there, uh, mundane episode of BSG, it's still BSG. It's one of the greatest television shows ever made. Just BSG? listen to the stupid thing, and you know what? It'll then put out of your mind that some schmucks trying to redo it you know <laughs> what's that guy's name again sam esmail yeah and one thing i wanted to mention because you had mentioned his you know him doing mr robot mm-hmm. and like oh it wasn't expected to be too much yeah well you know what francis coppola also did two of the greatest movies ever made godfather one and two he still made godfather three so let's just say uh, you can't quite use past Game, success set, as a predictor and match my brother hashtag just saying <clears throat> Well, you know, I think we have finally uh, talked ourselves out here. And you know what? It's getting late, so it's time to shut this thing down here. Thank you so much to uh, for all the members of the Free Range Idiocy congregation. Mm-hmm. We do appreciate you showing up. And, uh, Amen. and we do appreciate you uh, bending the knee for the geekdom. I, I have no idea where I'm going with this. We just thank you for listening. I was on a roll for about two seconds, and then my brain just went. Game of thrones of you when you said bend the knee. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the hell I was doing there. I, 
I, I got metaphors crossed, and I I got metaphors. I, I got I got dollars on top of metaphors. <laughs> I, sh- I really should have stretched. I feel like I pulled something. <laughs> so I think uh, you did. we. We appreciate y'all tuning in and listening. Uh, be sure to uh, subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. If you go to freerangeidiocy.com, you will find all of our episodes, all of the idiocy that you can possibly cram into your ear hole. And uh, you know what? You can also find us on the social medias because we love us some social medias. We love to see ourselves on the interwebs. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. All of those are at Free Range Idiocy. And you know what? If you want to give us a hard time about some stuff, you want to rant, you want to rave, you want to you want to tell us what for, I don't give a crap. Send that to Tim. That's Tim at FreeRangeAdc.com. You mm-hmm. send him all of the hate mail, all of the suggestions, thoughts, concerns. Hey, if you got a question, you want us to answer it here on the interwebs and hear your name on the interwebs just as excited as we are to hear our name on the interwebs, well, hell, son, send that to Tim at FreeRangeAdc.com, and he'll, well... He'll do something with them. I don't know. I, I honestly don't care. You know, that's that's not my business. That's not my area of expertise. <laughs> so uh, now we we come to the the final the final stretch, the anchor leg of this race that we call the idiocy, free range idiocy. And you know when you have the anchor leg. Yeah, it's, you know th- this is this is athletics here. We're talking now. We're talking <laughs> relay races. You know, I'm pu- that- you know I'm pulling a hammy. <laughs> Tim's Tim's pulling a hammy just thinking about running. <laughs> the, the fact is, neither one of us. You know, I know, I know, no one's. Y- y'all haven't seen uh, any photos of us on the internet, and that's you know that's by design. By design. Uh, <laughs> That's that is totally the plan. Uh, the people who are who are tuning in who actually do know us. Oh, and and by the way, by the way, hi Heather. Hope you enjoyed this episode, and hope we didn't like you know uh, you know. I pulled me hammy. We didn't we didn't offend like any little ears that are listening. I don't think we did, but I hope we haven't. But anyways, if uh, you know, if you if you were to see us, you would know neither one of us was running track back in the day, oh, okay? It just back in the day or even now. <laughs> no. Especially not now. Are you kidding? <laughs> We'd need a couple of them scooters. And uh, but when you're when you're running a relay race, the anchor leg is where you put your best runner. And that way, if, if you're a little bit behind, you get that you hand off the baton and you let that person just carry over the finish line. And they're just just going. And well, <laughs> this is only a two-man team, so there's got to be someone. <laughs> 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 Neither one of us are going to do it. Oh, hey. <laughs> Who dat? <laughs> we flipped a coin, and, well, Tim Tim got it. So oh, yeah, I, good this is the moment when I when I turn to Tim and I think back over the episode. I I, I take uh, my, my, my fine, fine whiskey that I've been sipping on and mm. just mull it around and have, have myself a little sip. And, oh, damn, that's good. And, uh, you know, and I say... Tim, yes, sir. when you think about this episode as a whole, mm-hmm. the hell did we learn? We, Anything? We've learned the following. Oh, good. Uh, I'm always glad that you, when you have a list, Star, I feel Star Wars so better. Star Wars creative, chill, baby. Just, just chill. <laughs> Get a good thing going. Let, let, let's not ruin it, please. Right. I love how your advice to Kathy Kennedy is from like a '90s R&B That's right. song. Like, That's right. Chill, just, baby. Just chill. chill. Just, just, just chill. <laughs> Wandavision is wonderfully weird, and mm. uh, if 
you know, if you haven't gotten the vibe or the sense from from what we've been talking about for the last two hours, check it out. It it, mm. it is different. It is funky. It is weird. But I, I'm excited to see where they're going to go with it and how it is going to further the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. And one thing we haven't quite learned, but I have a question based on uh, prior episodes. Oh boy, Uncle Todd. Go. Yeah, you still a subscriber to WWE Network? Oh damn it! I've got to- <laughs> Enough said. Enough said. <laughs> yep. I completely forgot to cancel it. <laughs> Son of a mother! <laughs> Just Vince milking me like nine ninety nine at a time. He's like, you know what? We got these two chuckleheads, and they're they're anchoring the entire network, baby. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably. I'm probably responsible for paying the contract to the Miz at this point. Or something. I'd like to think that I am financing AJ Styles at this point. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. but 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 in all seriousness, we we do want to take a moment. This last week, uh, we, we don't know if this is a clerical error on Podbean's part or if this is in fact you know reality that is playing out in a non one division way. We just want to thank, uh, whether it is one or two or more listeners, uh, we, we saw quite a jump in downloads this week, uh, mm. I think over 80 downloads uh, of, of content, and we, we very much appreciate it. We just want to acknowledge mm. that. Thank, thank the kind folks who have, have jumped on to the Idiotacy. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope uh, it's been fun. As we've said in the past, this is... Uh, you know, two friends just kind of connecting and just talking about stuff we enjoy, and and just want to bring a little little uh, levity, little comedy, little ha- you know, ray of hope, ray of light, if you will. Uh, even if you won't, if I can take an Uncle Toddism, and uh, you know, just just kind of bring that to the masses. So thank you very much. We appreciate it. Did you, did uh, you say something about their asses? <laughs> I don't think so. What the heck you talking about, brother? Oh, masses, masses, masses. masses. Oh. Come on now. Got you. Sorry, I I, I kind of dozed off there for a second. Yeah, well, you know that that happens when you when you're having a bit of the bourbon. But anyway, well, yeah. uh, as always, uh, you know, mm-hmm. be safe, be healthy, mm-hmm. Uh, as, mm-hmm. as we preach from, from, from the free range. Be kind to one another. Be good to one another. Mm. And as always, because he will not cancel that WWE Network subscription, jeez. Oh, please hit the lights on the way out. That's right. I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Give me my cheese wheels, boy. I'm your huckleberry. Damn you, Vince. <laughs> Just <laughs> working me dry. Damn you, Longness Monster. <laughs> Damn you, Vince McMahon. <laughs> you taking my three fifty. He said, uh, uh, hey, pal, uh, I need about $9.99. Damn you, Vince McMahon. <laughs> I got to pay for Undertaker. <laughs> Another 20 years. Yeah, he's got one of those like Bobby Bonilla contracts <laughs> where it's like it's over the next forty years, Taker's getting paid like a million dollars per year. Oh my god! It's like gosh. a total tax shelter. Vince doesn't care. Well, actually, Vince does care because he's gonna be he's gonna be cryogenically frozen. It's just his head. He's gonna be like the Vince McMahon, like Mr. McMahon robot that comes down with that weird strut that he's got with just his head in a big old glass jar with bubbles coming out of it. Oh, yeah. oh, you know that's he's not turning over the business to anybody triple h is waiting around he's thinking oh i'm gonna be running wwe vince like ah, i'm living forever i cannot die 
And that's why we're going to be getting the gobbledygooker in 40 years. <laughs> Thanks to Survivor Series. Sonny, I remember the gobbledygooker back in 1980, 1988. <laughs> I done pooped my pants. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Mm-hmm. Oh. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, I don't know about that, but it was it was stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. It was it was fun. Oh. Johnny, I apologize. I forgot you were there. You may go now. 